Verulam Sports. Hello again and welcome to Verulam Sport Podcasting. And it's always a, a pleasure. And you know what? For me personally, can I only speak personally, a real thrill to speak rugby with the uh, scholar of the game, the voice of the OAs, Mr. Brian Quinn. Brian, how are you doing? I'm very good, Tony. How are you? Do you know what? All told, I appreciate our crazy world gets crazier by the second, so it seems. But I try to cut my little blessings, Brian, and accordingly, no grumbles. Good. Glad to hear it. Anyway, Brian, uh, again, looking forward to a load of exciting international rugby to unpack and preview. But before we do just that, um, we've been lucky over the years to speak with Stuart Falconer, um, the uh, kind of one of the overseers of the BMF, the um, B Military Fit organisation, well, which does uh, mightily good things across the country, but of course here in St Albans and Hertfordshire. And no. You're a core member of that group. Obviously, it's challenging times for all fitness groups at this time. Just give us a bit of an insight into that and a bit of a heads up for that wonderful group. Well, I mean by, by core member, the oldest male and likely <laughs> to die very quickly. Then, yeah, that's certainly me. Uh, a heads up on that. Uh, to give you an instance of what's happening and the work that's been put in by Stuart and Jack, mm. our, our instructors, they have had to go from a full class in the park, several classes yeah. a week, and six months ago, that was six classes a week. When we had the first lockdown, they started online uh, through Zoom, which is what we're doing at the moment. And it became not six classes, but 26 classes. Mm -hmm. Now, there are seven or eight classes today alone. I know that. And I joined one at six o'clock this evening. Uh, it was run by Jack. There were no less than 50 members attending that in the company of their own lounges or in their gardens or maybe they took a computer to the mm -hmm. park or a quiet space wherever it was this is what they've done uh, the work is absolutely astonishing there's fitness there for everyone and it's value for money it's life-changing it's absolutely wonderful but hey that's just my view and it's echoed by an awful lot of people. It's been great to chat to Stuart over the times. And I tell you what, um, I wish you and the whole uh, team and organisation there all the very best, always raising a glass for how these organisations have shown the capacity to pivot, to adjust, to embrace technologies and just keep things moving forward. So really appreciate that. Check them out Thanks. online if you want to get involved. I'm sure you won't regret doing that. Uh, I'm not going to regret at all talking rugby, though, now with you, Brian. And uh, obviously, last time we spoke, we were building up to Super Saturday. And the picture is finished. England are champions. We'll unpack that momentarily. But I want to start off um, with the Wales-Scotland game. A real collector's item, this one. It's 18 years since Scotland last won a six-station game in Wales. Eight defeats before last Saturday. It's 97 years since the Scots actually came from behind to beat Wales away. Scotland trending up, but are there concerns already building around this new uh, Wayne Pivik Welsh regime? Well, you say collector's item. I'd love to know what you've been collecting. <laughs> I, I really wouldn't like to have collected uh, that in, in any way, shape or form. Uh, God bless Scotland for the victory. That was great. It's a long time coming. And yeah. However, it does mean at certain standards, everything is cyclical. It all comes around again. And if you wait long enough, then eventually it'll happen. It's happened for Scotland. Uh, I think 
it asked more questions than it answered, and that's good for a coach. It's good mm -hmm. for a team because Scotland have had uh, some whackins of late, uh, and they will relish this. Wales, exactly the reverse. It has not gone well so far for Wayne Pivak. He's just fired his new defence coach. You and I have been talking about the Welsh defence, uh, apropos of what it means now to France, for instance, now yep. that uh, that wonderful Englishman, Mr. Edwards, has gone to France uh, and he's doing wonderful things for them. Wales have lost him. Uh, they have not replaced him with anybody who can do the job, it seems to me, and they have leaked points all over the place. They are now... Uh, Oh, a Welsh cauldron is no longer a Welsh cauldron. Mm. It's a place where it's somewhere of opportunity for people like Scotland, England, Ireland, France, whoever. Um, I don't know what Georgia will make of it. It, uh, it remains to be seen, but uh, it, it's, a sh it's a shame. Uh, the, the match was not something which I would personally want to collect. Uh, it did have certain things in it which were good they were all for scotland mm -hmm. uh, i hope the injuries have mended uh, we we will see uh, as the time goes on but that it, it wasn't the greatest of occasions for me scotland prevail in wales as i say um for the first time um in 18 years and they say 97 years since scotland come from behind to beat wales in wales so trending up uh, as you say um wales have I don't necessarily say hitting the panic button, but they've certainly reacted. And as you referenced, their defence coach, Brian Haywood, new to the role, has departed. So we'll see who they replace him with. Um, you mentioned the injuries there, though, Brian. Two key and world-class fly halves hobbled off in Finn Russell and, and Adam Hastings. Great um, pedigree, that young man, Adam Hastings. Uh, but again, great resolve and uh, spirit from Scotland to prevail. They seem to me, again, as you say, hopefully those two reference stars will return. But it's not bad. A couple of uh, class acts in the uh, fly half position Scotland seem to have unearthed at this time. Yep. Um, they have pace in the back three. They've got one of the world's greatest 15s. Uh, they can build on that, and that's great. Scotland outplayed... Wales comprehensively up forward and that's something that uh, every forward watching uh, other than Welsh forwards will have enjoyed hugely. We'll, we'll see what they make of it. They've got wonderful opportunities. So yes we will indeed see um, what Scotland make of it. This unearthing of uh, great fly halves and the emerging talent that they're building there. I think certainly a team on the up. I don't want to be too disparaging on Wales. Again, I feel like it's far too early to make snap judgments. But again, this is the first time since the pre-Gatland era in which they only win one Six Nations match in a Six Nations series. Um, Ugo Monia has described it as a sinking ship, the Welsh outfit. Again, I think a little prematurely. But it is a team at the moment in transition. From what you've seen, Brian, from Wales this season's uh, protracted Six Nations, what nuggets of hope can you pick out from the team from the Principality? Uh, Liam Williams and the front row. Tell you what, that's not a bad foundation, of course. Liam Williams, uh, the ex-Saracens man. And that is indeed a Welsh front row in traditional Welsh front row formatting. So it's nice that we can still discern causes for optimism there. 
I'm moving on though. Get it. It's all, it's always causes for optimism, Tony. It's everything is cyclical. Yes. Uh, if things go horribly wrong, it's normally a management problem in just about everything. Here, I believe again, it's a management problem for some reason, and I'm not part of the management team. Wayne Pivak does not seem to have the dressing room as it's uh, been described before. Uh, I, I hope he does have because nobody, literally nobody, needs a weak Wales. We always need Wales to be strong. Yes. They are traditionally one of the strongest nations in the world. We need them to stay that way so that we can, we, that's Ireland, England, everybody else can bounce off them. Because when you have a result, whether it's a close result or a victory against Wales, you know you've done very, very well indeed. When it's not that much of a challenge, that doesn't help anyone, especially not Wales. Do you know, it's a brilliant sentiment. And actually, those very same um, kind of uh, sentiments were expressed when I spoke with Phil Vickery for our 100th episode podcast uh, this week. Um, for the good of the game, for the British Lions and other, generally, the Northern Hemisphere Challenge, it is important that there is a sense of collective strength across the nations, isn't there? Yes, exactly that. And as I say, a weak Wales is no use to anybody, least of all Wales. It was Super Saturday, not particularly super if you are Welsh at the moment. But again, we can perceive shoots of potential growing there. Um, I want to talk about uh, England claiming the title. Um, obviously, not quite a Grand Slam. Um, it wasn't necessarily the spectacle that many anticipated, but they did the job against Italy. And obviously, it was uh, then over to Ireland. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the highlights of this 34-5 victory for England, for me, of course, was the performance of Ben Youngs, becoming only the second player other than the fun bus, Jason Leonard, to claim 100 caps for England. And he marked the occasion with a brace of tries. He was marvellous, I thought, at the weekend. And you know what? He sometimes gets... A little bit of criticism, certainly not necessarily the praise he deserves, but just rate Ben Young's performance at the weekend and put into context how impressive it is to achieve 100 caps for England. Uh, I, I suppose that I don't need really to, to put it into context because 100 caps, 100 caps will, will do exactly that, far better than any words that I have. When you consider modern rugby for almost anybody in the field, each match is like a collection of car crashes. And to have come through that with your body still intact and better than that, your brain still mm -hmm. operating is absolutely wonderful. To come through all of that and have the wherewithal to score two tries when you're under serious contention at the base of the scrum uh, is a magnificent performance. His distribution is great. I see no reason why he shouldn't get another 20, 30 caps. I don't think he'll reach 50 caps, 150 caps, that is. But there again, by that stage, he probably won't worry because he'll be one of the, well, the most lauded scrum half uh, anywhere in the world. So well done, Ben. That was great. Uh, if only the rest of the back line could have emulated his sterling performance. Yeah, it was a very kind of bitty and bobby effort, I thought, for England. Um, but of course, ultimately, setting it in context, putting it in its bubble, that means that they did enough um, to uh, claim the championship. Now, Eddie Jones has claimed three Six Nations championships in just five years. That's dead level with the great Sir Clive Woodward, who achieved that feat in seven years. So, again, just to give this its historical context, prior to the Eddie Jones era, England had only claimed one Six Nations title in 13 years. 
So the the in terms of uh, kind of the shift of power, the Northern Hemisphere movements, you really can't fault Eddie Jones. There is a sense for me that there isn't quite a completed job, and I think he'd admit that himself. But just again, for his achievements in a relative short span of time, he certainly has instilled a winning mentality into this English team, hasn't he? Well, yes, he has. He is a brilliant coach. Uh, I believe he is a very, very good manager. But I'd point you in the direction of a wise man, or probably a wise woman, that makes more sense, said that you can either lose or gain a new habit in, I believe it was 28 days. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a good habit or a bad habit. Now, very quickly after Eddie came to power, the England setup changed dramatically, and that was nice. Certainly off the field, with training, with application, and then with performances on the field. Now, after five plus years of, of, of a wonderful regime, we have, and I quote Clive Woodward here, the first half of the Italy game, <clears throat> remember this is Italy, not the All Blacks or anybody yep. else, the Italy game, England put the ball up into the air a total of 22 times. Now that is a horrifying statistic. Mm -hmm. And people have the machinery and the ammunition which England have behind the scrum. If the scrum, in, in whatever way, shape or form, wins the ball and then hoiks it out of the backs who boot it up in the air, then all right, the England scrum can go after it again and retrieve it again. That's what they are trained to do. That's what mm -hmm. they like doing. But I'll tell you what they like doing a lot more, and that's walking back to the centre line after they have watched a conversion. Uh, and... It, it was a miserable performance for anybody, again, who played, who paid money to, to watch something so sterling as England should have been. They weren't. They, they, were, they weren't even held by Italy. They were the architects of their own non-performance. It's a great shame when you waste an opportunity like that. We have wonderful backs. There's no doubt of that. Yeah. They're wonderful for their clubs and other representative sides. Let's have them be wonderful for England. Let them, uh, again, it's a management problem. Let mm. them get out there and say, listen, boys, you know what you're doing. You've played together for long enough now. Get on with it, enjoy, and create. That's a really interesting point. It's almost like unleash the dogs of war syndrome, isn't it? Uh, and it's not as though there is an experience in that back line, of course, captained uh, by Farrell. And as you say, there is pace to burn, talent to plenty. I seem to recall uh, watching uh, kind of a, a behind-the-scenes documentary in which the England great centre, Guskett, uh, literally uh, kind of went all guns a-blazing uh, using some bit of blue language, shall we say, to that effect. And I wonder, whilst there is that experience we've uh, spoken about, is there a sense of, to a degree, maybe fear of going against the Eddie Jones um, style is there anybody that you see in that team capable of having that kind of gusket impetus and saying well let's you know we've got the talent let's really play some rugby today yeah well you've got the centenarian youngs for a start you've got his mate at number 10 mr farrell uh, farrell has never been backward in coming forward now 
the best way to show a coach how it's to be done, if indeed you're going to do that, is to emulate the words of Clive Woodward. I, I've met the man once, and what I remember from that conversation was just this, and I think we've talked about it before. Woodward said, what are you trying to do on a rugby field? And when I opened my mouth and my chin hit my knee, he said, well, I'll tell you. Hmm. You're, trying, you're trying to create a two-on-one. A yep. guy draws a defender, that means that there is a gap if that defender holds his position for the onrushing player. And when it's too late to do anything about it, he passes, the carrier passes to his number two. Now, these are some of the best international players in the world. It should not be beyond their, their, their doings to be able to do that time and time and time and time again. If it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't matter. It will, and I can assure you of this, it will worry the daylights out of mm -hmm. their opponents. This team wants to, wants to come at us. You, you will not then in defense have any point in training for hour after hour against catching a high ball. And what you will have to do is to make sure that your defenders are in the right place to receive individuals who are changing position like lightning. That's what yep. England is capable of, and that's what they are not delivering now. And that is a tremendous shame. Do you know what? I'm going to bring up uh, that very point when we talk about the final fixture in Super Sand today, uh, France's home victory over Ireland, because I just think this is a French side who are really understanding those basic precepts you've explained. Just a final quick word on Italy. Now that's 27 consecutive Six Nations defeats. They were stoic. They were bold against England. They didn't roll over and die. Nobody really expected them to have uh, anything other than an England victory. So to restrict England, although we've mentioned England maybe being the architects of their own restrictive style, to 34 points was not a bad effort from Italy. But, I mean, like I say, 27 consecutive Six Nations defeats. Going back to 2015... It really is a big challenge, isn't it, for Franco Smith? But, Brian, again, uh, wanted to at least give cause for optimism. I was mightily impressed, not just in this game, but throughout the tournament, by the Gloucester flanker, uh, Paledri. You can't have but one player being a world-class and hope for world-class results. Goodness knows Italy's own Parisi can testament to that. But he looked a real quality player. Are there any other aspects or individuals from this Franco Smith Italy team that you can pick out to again perhaps give uh, the Italians some some form of hope as it is at the moment still a one-tier Six Nations. Well it's a while ago and I can't remember that sadly the, the name of the Italian back who, who made that wonderful break towards the end I think it was the replacement scrum half and a beautiful step and to go over unopposed uh, by the post it is wonderful. That was against England. I applaud him for it. He's undoubtedly got a tremendous future in front of you. Can I just make the point that there is not the machinery at the moment to allow Italy to get better? Mm. Quite often, quite often in, in work, let's say, and this is work for professional rugby players, when a task is proving onerous or, or impossible for a particular individual, quite often the management team uh, or, or his colleagues, his or her colleagues, will say, look, I tell you what, try something easier until you've got your head around that and yeah. then we'll bring, we'll bring you back in. If there was a second tier to the Six Nations, make it the 12 Nations, I don't care what you call it, mm -hmm. and Italy then went to that second tier and then met other teams of, at the same level, let's say, that they are currently, and beat them, 
it then gives you a tremendous morale boost and you can yeah. then approach a more difficult task later on. When you've won promotion, the, the morale feeling is absolutely brilliant and, and my club has done it and it was wonderful all the way around to see it. And if Italy were to do that, to steady the ship in a lower league and then to come to terms with that and to win that lower league and get back into where they want to be, which is undoubtedly the Six Nations, mm -hmm. Nobody would complain, complain about that, least of all the Italian players, who then would look at the scoreboard and say, thank God we've scored more than zero and we've beaten somebody. Absolutely. Listen, I'm here, here, I'm a massive advocate for some form of two-tiering to the Six Nations. 27 straight defeats. It cannot be doing them any good. And like you say, Brian, you know, when you move down a level, sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards because it yeah. does instill confidence. Winning is a habit, and I'm sure that the Italians would benefit from something like that. I just hope that um, common sense will prevail. Um, moving on then to the final match. Obviously, that uh, rather dour England win set the scene for Ireland, who only needed to win in uh, France, tough task as that is, by six points to claim the title. But the French, who have been, I think, the standout team of this tournament, were absolutely, I thought, strong, uh, played with, to use a famous Brian Quinnism, uh, high levels of precision, and were worthy victors, 35-27. That meant they couldn't overhaul England's points tally. As we've said, England are reigning now Six Nations champions. But your thoughts on Frackens' 35-27 victory over Ireland? Very much a game worth watching this time, uh, and it would have been a pleasure to be there on either side. It's... In, in so many ways, wonderful to see France come out of what may well have been the doldrums for so many years. Yep. They, the management is different, again, that word management, and their players are responding accordingly. Uh, you've got, uh, again, that nice Mr. Edwards, who's teaching them all the dirty defence tricks, and they are keeping people out from scoring too many tries against them. Uh, Ireland were not at their absolute peak, or probably not anything like it. Uh, I would suggest that maybe they need to change the halfbacks. Mm -hmm. Dare I say so? Dare I say it? But somebody needs to come back in at 9 and 10 to add some vim and vigour back into a side, which could certainly do with it. The forwards, there's nothing wrong with, it, with them, and two, three, four of their forwards may well star for the Lions next year, um, along with two of the outside backs. Uh, the, the halfbacks certainly won't. Uh, in my not-too-humble opinion, mm -hmm. and Ireland have to look at that. But Ireland stuck with it. France uh, were great, great fun. They weren't magnificent. They were great, yeah. great fun to watch. Ireland, France will get better because they don't have the bit between their teeth. They now are managed. It's a controlled sprint that, they, that I believe that they're on, on the, the path to the World Cup, their own World Cup in three years' time. And I'm sure that the top French players can now see this as better than a distinct possibility. By the time it becomes a probability, France will be one of the best sides in the world. They have to stick at what they're doing right now. Yeah. But uh, nobody shows any signs of shifting them. And if the final of the Nations Cup comes up as expected England-France, we will know exactly how far France have come in a very short time and also how England has sustained their efforts at improvement. Absolutely. We're setting the scene. We're going to continue to build up to the Nations Cup in just a minute. I'm um, just circling back, though, to that France efforts. I really love 
uh, that you brought up France 2023, because it seems to me that this is a team certainly uh, capable indeed as they are of winning in the now, but as you say, with a mindset of that this is a project, that this is a process. And we've discussed and eulogized about Gautier and Sean Edwards, two uh, complementary coaches there. I was so, so impressed with their halfbacks, though, throughout the tournament. I think in DuPont and uh, Roman Untermach, and there's another man with wonderful rugby pedigree uh, at Scrum Half and Fly. They seem to understand each other's games so well. And with that axis, there's certainly something building in this French side. And as we said, uh, Brian, the week before, uh, one of the stars of their performance uh, previously, Teddy Thomas, the centre, was out through injury. So this is a French side, I think, building a culture of success right now. And as you say, I'm excited to see how that uh, continues to develop. Yes, yes. Uh, Looking forward to it. It, It's Again, it's like having a weak Wales. It's no use to Europe. It's no use having a weak France or wondering which French side will show up. When you know that the French side that will show up is one that's capable of giving you a thorough pasting, then it crystallizes your own thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian, I think there's going to be lots of um, kind of pundits uh, who agree with you with regard to the need for islands to uh, make adjustments, particularly at that key um, kind of halfback axis. Don't want to make too big of a thing about it, but I'd like to get your take on the uh, slight antics of Sexton at the weekend when he was taken off. Uh, I don't really like it when any player... Uh, sort of beams when they're taken off. I want to see that fight and that desire to be an influencer on the field. Was there a sense of it being a little bit petulant, though, his response to that uh, removal? I agree with you. I, I don't care for petulance because it's a lack of discipline. And rugby is a dangerous game. And when you don't have absolute discipline, certainly at the very highest levels, then people get hurt, including yourself. And... I, I've seen enough injuries, I'm sure you have. Mm. I, don't, I don't want to see any more. That's not possible in a contact sport, but let's minimise them as much as possible. Yes, it's petulant and it, it's silly. As they said about Trump, put your big trousers on yes. and get on with it. Absolutely. I didn't have a chance to get their big boys' pants on, though, in the Nations Cup, uh, which kicks off uh, this very Friday. They're hosting the uh, slightly under-pressure Wayne Pivik Wales side. So this is, I, I think, quite an interesting acid test coming so soon after uh, both sides were defeated at the Super Saturday in the Six Nations to see how they recover. Again, it's churlish and almost ridiculous to read too much into just one fixture. But Ireland-Wales, November 13th, Friday the 13th, unlucky for some. Which of these nations do you think it will be unlucky for, Brian? I think it's, uh, we've talked about a Celtic storm often enough. It's now two Celtic storms and we'll see which one blows which way. <laughs> I, I think, uh, and I can be proved wrong and have been many, many times, I think Ireland will have too much for Wales. Ireland do have home advantage and in their national stadium. So that's going to be, to be that. Uh, I believe it was, it was a shame for Wales not to be able to use the Principality Stadium last time out. Yeah. It means... So much to a national side, and Llanelli is a wonderful place to be, to play rugby, to watch rugby. But it ain't the national stadium. Mm-hmm. So, do Wales come back from that? Will they be able to dredge up 
the feeling of we've had all the beatings we're going to take and we're now going to give it everything we, we possibly got. From the first whistle to the very last, uh, I think it may be one step belong them, uh, above them. Uh, however, again, I, I remain to be corrected by the lads in red at the weekend. Uh, from a personal point of view, love to see Ireland do it, love to see Ireland do very well in the ANC, and we, we will see how it goes. But uh, my, the smart money, I think, is on Ireland. I think I'm inclined to agree with you there. And then the Nations Cup continues into Saturday. Italy, much maligned, as we've said, uh, take on Scotland, trending up. Hard to see anything other than a Scotland victory again in Italy here. And the only things that would be said, I think both those class fly halves, Finn Russell and uh, Young Hastings, are out. But you feel as though that this Scotland team is certainly on the rise. Will probably be too dominant again for Italy, you'd have thought, on uh, this coming Saturday. Scotland are going to get what in all respects they utterly need, uh, which essentially is more practice. Mm -hmm. That's what they're going to get. They're going to get a workout. It will be like an exhilarating training run, only at a slightly, well, no, a higher gear. Let me be fair to Italy. They are still in the Six Nations, so we, we have to tip our hats to, the, to them there. Scotland have too much firepower, certainly out, uh, out wide. Uh, in the back row, Pelledri, as you, you mentioned him, he will make uh, it absolutely fierce for as many Scots as he gets near to, but I believe Scotland will retain possession. Uh, Scottish forwards are superb at that when they have um, enough practice at doing so, and they can drive up the field. The rolling mall, again, so important to Scotland, mm -hmm. and it will, it will be once more. It's a technical skill. You don't learn it overnight. Uh, Italy do not cannot uh, do that at the same level as Scotland can and it's for me a Scotland victory all the way in all departments of the field. Another intriguing fixture on Saturday um, we speak don't we about Italy's kind of sort of damned if you do damned if you don't Six Nations context at the moment with it just being a singular Six Nations but Georgia certainly are a team on the up in fact they are currently ranked 12th in the IRB, International World Rugby Rankings, and that's two places above uh, Italy. So they've earned their right to have opportunities to compete against the big nations. They're um, going to be ch uh, challenging England. Uh, Eddie Jones named six uncapped players in his 36-man uh, squad, and I think there's only five players also with just one cap to their name. Do you think Eddie Jones really is having one head here on visions towards that three-year cycle, the next Rugby World Cup. And this is a, a tournament to experiment for, uh, for Eddie Jones and his men. Uh, it's merely an opinion, but I think it's probably too early to be experimenting. If he wants to watch the players, he can watch them at their clubs. Uh, there's not a problem with that. And then international rugby is 10, 15, 20% above that. So... Uh, possibly with a training session uh, for each of these players, he can work out to a certain degree what these players can give, can offer on the field. Mm -hmm. It remains being what they are when they're part of a team on the field. Um, so is, is he, I think it might be a morale thing because it always, when, when you win a cap, I'm sure it's an absolutely wonderful thing and your feet don't touch the ground for weeks afterwards. 
so maybe there's some of that going on. I don't know. Maybe there are certain little secrets that he wants to winkle out about particular players and see how they perform under a great deal of pressure. But it's not as much pressure as it would be with 80,000 people watching. Uh, that's a shame and there's nothing which can be done about that. So, yeah, it could be an experiment. Either way, it works. He's the boss and he's got three years before the next World Cup. Absolutely. And as I say, he's already had in five years, three Six Nations to his uh, name. And of course, that World Cup final uh, appearance, sadly, defeated by South Africa recently. So, you know, the man knows what he's doing, it would seem. Uh, Georgia, I've got to say, I'm just delighted that Georgia are giving an opportunity. I can't claim to know much about them. I'm, I know that they are a team on the up. As I say, the IRB rankings don't lie. And I, I wish them all the very best. Although I suspect that England will be far too big a challenge at this moment in time. The next intriguing fixture, though, Brian, is the Sunday where France, who we've uh, given an awful lot of praise to, quite rightly, take on the team in 11th currently in the IRB rankings, Fiji. And our goodness me, this is a bit of a mouth-watering one. We've talked about the French flair and the French upcoming talent. But in um, Sam Radra, uh, the Bristol star, you've got one of world rugby's all-time stars at the moment in Fiji uh, there. Um, so they've got firepower, they've got flair, but surely France will be overall too dominant. Uh, but love to hear your thoughts, France versus Fiji. France will have too much for Fiji up front. Uh, they will be, to a large extent, starved of possession. I, I do believe that. It's a shame. Because when the ball goes wild, wide or when the ball goes loose, Fiji are in it from start to finish. Uh, I was looking just a few minutes ago at a photograph of Sam Radradra in the paper. And it's not often I'm frightened by a photograph, but it came very close to doing it to me. Uh, he is quite a piece of work. He is enormous. Yep. He, his profile is incredible. His ability is, is marvelous. He can accelerate from nothing to upside down inside of about a, uh, a pace and a half. And to have to stop that man along with all the skill and the attitude that he's got is, is incredible. France are doing superbly well in the backs. Uh, Radradra isn't the only tool in the box for Fiji and with the ball loose and wide uh, I believe it'll be a fantastic game it's certainly my game of the weekend yeah absolutely and as with Georgia I'm very pleased um, that Fiji are given this opportunity um, I rather hope that this isn't something of a uh, stopgap uh, this is maybe a view to the future with regards to the overall global game, I think more needs to be done, not just here for the likes of uh, Fiji and Georgia, who we're going to see over the coming weeks, but also Argentina, uh, the, the uh, Pacific Island nations, and a whole array of other emerging rugby nations. I'm a big believer that right now, the, the global rugby politics isn't treating fairly um, the, the, the wider nations, even though it would put a lot of PR spin on the fact that rugby is a global game. Uh, just briefly, Brian, your thoughts on that and your hopes maybe that this, uh, what this Nations Cup could represent going forwards for international rugby. Well, we've, we've got a little glimpse of the future. We have a potential fourth place final between Italy and Georgia, which will be unmissable uh, in, in my view for certain reasons, uh, some of them political. 
you've got the inclusion of Fiji, one of the most exciting backlines and loose bunch of players that you, you've ever seen. They, as you, as you say, need absolute support. There, there is no these guys traveling the world to try and give of their best when they are must be feeling almost like second-class citizens around there about where they stay, how they're treated, yeah. what money is available for kit, uh, training, all of these things. It must be addressed by World Rugby if there is to be a sustainable game going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I'm really, really hoping that this is being heeded and that we will see not just token gestures but a bona fide commitment to the global game of rugby because otherwise it's only ever going to get to a certain point and never beyond. And I'm really, really hoping that uh, Messrs Beaumont and Augustine Pichot will be uh, already aware of the bigger schema, but we shall see. Always time will tell. Brian, always for me, our time together has been fantastic. So I will look forward already to um, reminding everybody of the results from this uh, first weekend of the Nations Cup and then previewing it as it runs throughout the next few weeks. But for tonight, Brian, a big, big thank you again for your time. You're very welcome, Tony. It's an absolute pleasure. Good luck to everybody. Keep well, Brian. I wish you all the best. Thanks again. Thank you.